Political Unmuted is a weekly politics show based in the northeast of England. The audience chooses the topics and we discuss them. So enjoy Political Unmuted. Welcome everybody um, to the uh, 34th edition of Political Unmuted. Um, I have to tell you that Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia assures me that 34 is the number that symbolizes optimism, analysis, self-expression, introspection and pragmatism. And if 34 is the number of your destiny, you are a very wise, spiritual, and intuitive person. And therefore, I must can only assume that, in fact, the um, number 34 is the um, number of destiny of all the people in front of me uh, tonight, because we welcome the dream team, um, sort of, uh, of wonderful people who hopefully are going to tell you things that you hadn't thought before. We welcome back Stuart and Polly last week. Yeah, uh, I was. I got my vaccine. I had some side effects, but back to fighting fit now. That's it. Well. Hello to you. A bit of a um, um, break upon your, your sound there, Paul. Well, um, sort of um, welcome to you. Welcome to the team. And it's time. For... Now, I never tell you my moments of the week. I always go to my, my dream team, but in fact, I've had two moments this week and they both happened on Sunday. And the first one is that I got my jab, okay? Which is exciting in itself and they were wonderful. But just to warn you all, including the team, this is the first time I've told them as well, I'm not feeling right, uh, sort of energetic at the moment. I'm feeling a bit meh is the word and uh, sort of so if i'm off off color a bit tonight sort of not my language hopefully um but if i'm not on top form tonight i hope that you will forgive me and i'm relying on your team to step in with um additional enthusiasm uh sort of in case i fall asleep in the chair here i've dosed myself up with parasitamol but the second thing is much more exciting and, and, and i wonder if i can break everything by showing you down on the floor there can you see there, down in the corner? I managed to get in place. I bought a automatic vacuum cleaner. He's called Rocky. We've decided it's a male. He does the hoovering, and uh, we just sit there and he chugs around trying to avoid all that. And he just falls downstairs as well. It's very exciting. So, two wonderful um, moments of the week for me. Um, Paul. Your moment of the week. Uh, my moment of the week is becoming the secretary of um, the Socialist Educational Association for the Northeast of England. So that's kind of a nice thing, uh, kind of something good to get out, get myself involved with. Really nice meeting. Um, 
thanks to everyone who helped arrange that and set that up because I'm a, I'm sort of the first by virtue of the fact it's just started up. So um, yeah, uh, Nigel Todd did all, all the work on that one. So um, big shout out to Nigel and everyone who was there. And uh, it was really quite lively, really interesting, really interesting that the opinions there were very, very, very different to the front bench of the Labour Party at the moment. <laughs> it was it was so different. And all these people there who either had a real vested interest in education because they care about it. We had university lecturers there. We had uh, people who worked in schools. We had people who just cared about it. We had people who were like me, teachers. And uh, we there was a lot of uh, knowledge in the room. So, yeah, pretty good. What's what's the aim of this association? I mean, does it have a is it a lobby group or, or what's it called? sort of? It, it, it's one of Labour's affiliates, and people probably don't really understand this, but the, the Labour Party was a was set up through a, a series of groups, like affiliated groups and trade unions, and they all have like are supposed to feed into the Labour Party and have a say within the Labour Party. So really, um, as an affiliate, anything educational should be like should be really you you would consider that that they might run that by something like the socialist educational um association like they would with the uh socialist health association um but doesn't necessarily seem to be the case at the moment so let's change that um rosa luxembourg is pitching in already on our first <laughs> question hold that thought rosa Copy and paste later so we can, uh, it doesn't disappear down off the bottom of the, 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 the thing and we'll be able to. I, I can get back to it, John. I can always get back to it. That's good. Um, so, thank you, Rosa. Um, uh, Samantha, moment of the week. So today was another day where somebody was like, have you seen what he said about us? And it was the MP for Darlington. Referring to the National Railway Museum in Shildon as a shed in The Guardian. And I'm just, I mean, why do these new Tories think they can just be rude and aggressive and nasty to people? Um, this is, of course, the ongoing saga about the relocation of locomotion number one from Darlington to Shildon. Locomotion number one is part of the National Collection, which is, of course, looked after by the National Railway Museum. Um, and, you know, we <laughs> we get we are going to have the biggest collection of uh, engines in Europe in Shildon by the time we've got our new building um, made. So I just I know that people, uh, the political leaders of Darlington are, are, are now um, They've come to the end of the road the, uh, uh, where th they realise that the engine's going to be moved and they know that's going to be bad for them politically. So they're just becoming, you know, things are getting out of hand and, and they need Lashing to in a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so the, yes. Um, did you read the article in the Northern Echo about it? I thought that was quite balanced. Uh, th there's been a lot of articles in the Northern Echo about it. Um, I mean, the Northern Echo itself, in general, hasn't been very balanced. It's been very Darlington-focused, but I accept they might have had one 
article that was reasonably balanced. <laughs> I thought that was. Um, I thought that it was. Uh, it was in there today. I thought it was. Uh, it was in there today. All right. I'll better than than many that you read. Isn't it? <laughs> anyway, it looks as though you're going to get it. It's going to yeah, come home. Yeah. It's uh, what, coming what? home. It's coming home. <laughs> Locomotion yeah. is coming home. It is. Uh, what what is upsetting is there's two things that are upsetting. First of all, uh, the Darlington Council was given an offer whereby Locomotion Bourne could come to visit, including during 2025, and they turned that down. And the second thing is this bad faith is more of a threat to the head of steam museum than moving the engine is, because why would anybody want to work with them now? The um, sort of just withhold visiting rights. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> You're bad, mate. Stuart, <laughs> moment of the week. Uh, yesterday, I was at a very impressive meeting. Uh, Jesse George Jacobs, as part of her campaign, had held like a, a workers' roundtable, and uh, somehow I was there. Uh, we, had, we had Andy MacDonald, the MP. We had union leaders uh, from five unions, and uh, I, I was there representing United Community uh, as an activist, uh, filling filling in for my regional organizer. And it was such an impressive, uh, you know, democratic meeting. It was real, you know. Jesse wants to to lead through democracy, and if if this meeting was anything to go by, what what an absolute, you know, achievement. It will be for, for Teesside to get Jesse as mayor. If she can deliver on that kind of, you know, idea mm. across the board on so many things, you know, workers getting a seat at the table, before, you know, not having to ask, not having to beg, not having to demand, getting your seat at the table to, to work on policy and influence stuff before anything happens, you know, absolutely brilliant. I think Jesse Joe Jacobs strikes me as being... Um, a politician who is driven by what she wants people to have, other people to have, not by what she wants for herself. And and and, and sort of, uh, I do hope to goodness that she gets that job. Well, yes, right. And so well done, Stuart. By the way, <laughs> um, sort of, uh, we know that you are well of the caliber to be on that table. Um, and Laura, moment of your week. Um, I, actually, I had a few. It was really difficult to decide, but I thought I'd go with something that was just a bit special yesterday. We, uh, the Socialist Think Tank, released an advert, um, sort of an advert. It was more like a call to action. Um, it was all about socialism and um, socialism meaning hope. And we had absolutely loads of people who've been contributors to some of our shows. Um, all come on and, and um, do a little bit for us and we, we edited all that together and um, it went out yesterday for the first time we had a really good response um, and it was just really lovely to see something like that coming together with a, a lot of people from from all over the place from loads of different backgrounds um, thoroughly enjoyed seeing that go out to the to the wide world yesterday. I mean Socialist Think Tank has just exploded and is one of the most exciting things that's happened for a long time. Um, how are you managing to find the time to do it all? Are you not going to burn out the two of you? We're worried about you. Are you over? Well, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're always just, just at that point where we might burn out, but um, we've got um, two other just absolutely 
I can't even think of the word for them. Committed would be the nice way to put it, <laughs> driven. Um, so Rochelle and James, who were sort of the other two, just, we, we're in a WhatsApp group. And if one of us has an idea, someone just does it. So it's like everything just, everything moves really quickly. Everything gets done really fast. Something I can't do, Paul will be able to do. Something Paul can't do, Rochelle will be able to do and so on. And just, we all just work really well together. And so it gets done really quick. And also, we might as well do what we can do while we can do it. You know, we haven't, we don't know how long we've got to last. We don't know how long this platform will go for. So we're just doing as much as we can, throwing as much at it to try and get the message out. And uh, we're we are enjoying it. It's 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 hard work, um, but we are really enjoying it. So yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you're burning the candle at both ends. I agree with you, Anne. Just sort of. Um, uh, Anyway, what you're doing is fabulous. Thank you so very much. And uh, time to move on. Now it's time for the big story. And the big story today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is Thatcherism. And um, the question of the evening is, is Thatcherism the way to level up? the north I, I, I don't like this negativity sam we've only just asked the question <laughs> <laughs> let's see what everybody has to say stuart kick us off what the hell's it all what's it all about why, why am i asking this anyway uh, sort of what's what's going on here right well uh, a right-wing think tank which is never a good sign for anything is it the center for policy studies has uh, called upon the government, the government, to uh, unleash radical Thatcherism upon the northeast, to uh, and across the north, to bring bring forward a economic big bang that only the private sector can deliver, which is, you know, put puts real worries into you, doesn't it, when you hear that stuff, and it's been backed by the. Uh, Northern group of MPs, including Paul Howell, uh, amongst others, and some of the stuff that in in this report is really nasty stuff. We have uh, tax cuts, we have uh, businesses getting write-offs for capital expenditure, uh, deregulation of building, automatic planning permission given, fast-tracked planning permission for investors of over twenty million pounds, which would completely buy bypass local democracy and uh, this is just a few of the, of the things on offer apparently to uh, rich investors and deeply troubling stuff. Um, a number of things. Um, Anne Willis says what's Thatcherism? What's Thatcherism Stuart? Thatcherism uh, is a neo, a neo liberal economic agenda for me and uh, you might some of you might have experienced it before uh, through the uh, 70s and 80s <laughs> yes. so, yeah, you, you can remember what that did for our industry what a big bang that was I mean that's it basically Anne. Um, what Thatcherism is is that the private sector is better than the public sector um, that if an industry is ailing you let it go to the wall um, sort of uh, the big thing of Thatcherism was that British industry was pampered 
and needed to experience the chill wind of competition from abroad. So she opened it up to the chill wind of competition from abroad. And you know what happened to our coal industry and our steel industry in the Northeast. So Thatcherism was a disaster um, uh, for, for us. It was also tied up with her view of society, which was that uh, the community didn't matter that we were just individuals and that but each individual striving to do as well as they could selfishly for themselves would achieve mm -hmm. the best for humanity um, and all this uh, silly talk about um, uh, solidarity uh, up north in the northeast wanted uh, destroying and, and and she succeeded in that as well we, we hate her a bit tim dredge had a fabulous uh, comment which has just disappeared um off the um off the screen. Did anybody catch it? I've got it. Uh, Andy Burnham said that these right-wing red wall Tory MPs are revealing how they don't understand the seats they won. It was Thatcherism which laid them low in the first place. People haven't forgotten that. So like 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 John said, it's all about the 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 the, the destruction by be just being really ruthless and expecting business to fend for itself and, and, and not supporting um, businesses as, as, uh, as state enterprises. So, Sam, you were shaking your head and saying that's not the answer for the North. Well, no, and, and this is, I was talking about this with somebody today about the difference between how people like us um, think of equality and how conservatives think of equality so conservatives believe that equality is you give everybody the exact same stuff and the good people can make good lives out of that stuff um, but in the Labour Party we believe in equality of opportunity which means that some people need more help because they come from a more disadvantaged situation um, and we are still, as somebody who lives in Shildon, you know, overnight in Shildon, every man, because it was the men, lo lost his job uh, when the railway works went. Um, that has That is an evil of Thatcherism, which still has not been fixed. So we've now got generations of people mm. who are suffering from that... Um, free market capitalism idea that if if the people in children were good at making engines they would make them themselves that's not how it works you know you're not going to get somebody build a uh a tahachi a tahachi that's right isn't it hitachi <laughs> there you go you're not going to get somebody who is a bright little upstart build a hitachi factory off their own back you know you're gonna need some help with that um, I mean, it's all to do with capital um, uh, investment, isn't it? And, and sort of ordinary people just don't have the money to make the necessary capital investment. And it's where that money is going to come from. I mean, uh, there are some things in that that just uh, fill me with absolute horror. Um, sort of the fact that if you're going to create more than 100 jobs, you don't need to apply for planning permission. You can just go ahead and do it. I mean, whoever thought that was a good idea um but um once you get over that sort of um the key thing was where is the money going to come from private industry or the public purse and sort of what this what this think tank said is it has to come from private industry now do you disagree with that or, or do you think that they're, they're speaking the truth in that case sam i was looking at the comments 
<laughs> Paul. Um, no. Look, the, I think there's a massive misunderstanding about private industry and what's going on. I think it can work in um, in conjunction with um, you know, like there's there's always going to be a place for people, you know, making things, creating things, and not everything needs to be controlled by the state. I actually believe everything needs to be controlled by the workers rather than the state. So, um, so for me, that is a really important point to make that the state shouldn't be in control of everything by any stretch of the imagination. I would like to see worker cooperatives and, and you know, and workers being in charge of, of what they're doing and what they're producing. But w- one of the things to do with Thatcherism is like, you know, it's shareholders that, that, that own the companies and everything's about like, you know, um, creating profit for those shareholders. That's what Thatcherism is really about. It's about, you know, like uh, I'll be speaking about this later, so I don't want to go on about it too much, but it's about that trickle-down mentality that if you look after the people at the top, the rest will take care of itself. And and that's the whole um, mentality and that's the whole ethos around Thatcher, Thatcherism. It's what Reagan and Thatcher were into. They wanted the idea, like they advocated the idea that if you're incredibly rich, if we look after you, then because of the market, everything else will look after itself. But what we're actually seeing is it's the other way around. So what, what we're seeing is the time and again, the private sector is coming to states for state aid. They get handouts, you know, like bank bailouts, things like that. And it costs people who are, you know, some people refer to the taxpayer issue, you always call it public money, but it's, it's ordinary people's money um, that could be spent on all sorts of excellent things instead of bailing out banks. But greed is king, and that is what Thatcherism is about. And this is the worry. We are not going to get, we're not going to improve everyone's lives by making sure that, you know, rich people don't pay the tax. That is not the way to do it. You know, I'm all for supporting people. I'm all for supporting local people. If you're going to do something like that, you're going to have to get worker representation on boards. You're going to have to make sure that workers are sharing in the profits that those businesses make. I mean, ultimately, I think this is what socialism is all about, what democratic socialism is all about, that the, the, the function of the state and the function of the economy is to actually give the people who live in the state uh, a decent um, way of living but so to come back to my question Paul do you not agree that if we're going to grow out of this we are going to have to mobilize private capital and if we get the the way you mobilize private capital is by offering it a profit surely that is just a factor of life so you're asking me a question about something I fundamentally like. I I don't like this system. I don't want to work within capitalism. I think capitalism is failing. I think capitalism is is, is causing a series of crises. Like you know, it's caused. I think it's responsible for for everything that we're seeing, even down to COVID. You know, like the fact that we are destroying every single natural resource that we have. We're chopping down rainforests, releasing different viruses into the in 
into the air. We're destroying our environment. So I think we should be totally turning this on its head and we shouldn't be, let's release private capital, let's pr- pr- release private equity. You know, we don't want to do that. What we want to do is go back to basics, see what people need and create a sustainable economy, a socialist economy. So that's where I am with this. So I'm, I'm a bit I'm not really going to pander to capital anymore. I'm I'm a little bit sick of it, to be honest. Like you know, it, it is destroying the world, and we are far, far, far too deep into this to think right. This is the way it should be. It's not. It, this isn't the way it should be. We need something drastically different. There is this assumption that capitalism is inevitable or it's correct, and neither of those those things are true. Like if you came up with a system now of how to run the world, would it be capitalism? No chance. I don't think it'd be large term corporatism. Um, Eddie Adam mentions this theory has already been installed in the north to the, so, through the so-called free ports. Um, sort of, is anybody on the team able to talk about free ports and, and expand on on Eddie's idea there? We usually turn to you at this Paul at, at this time, Paul. Do you, do you understand about free ports? You can do free ports if you want. Um, free ports are a way of trying to um, sort of boost trade by reducing taxes around a certain area. But what you find is actually it generally tends to lead to some sort of um, either really, I, I, I hesitate to say criminal, but I probably mean that. Um, it is not used for um, the purposes of, of everyone's general benefit. Who usually benefits are the richest again. So this Freeport's idea is ign- another way of avoiding tax. Now, you know, I think the ultimate Freeport would be somewhere like, you know, Monte Carlo, um, somewhere where taxes are incredibly low, you know, but that's, that's a kind of different thing. That's more for the people um, of there. So... Yeah, it's a really, really low, it's like a tax haven and the idea is that it'll boost the economy somehow. I don't buy it. I mean, the, the idea of free parties is that they don't charge customs duties, isn't it? Um, sort of you can put the things into the free pot and then move them on um, without having to, to, to pay pay duties. Um, and and, uh, and the danger is, is that it brings prosperity. I mean, firms move there because they get the benefits of, of that. Um, uh, but where did they move from? Well, they moved from places like Newton Atif and uh, County Durham, um, sort of because uh, they can get an advantage. Um, I'm not so sure it's the best thing for us. Okay, a lovely comment there, and, and sort of, um, which uh, you're just going too fast. You're going too fast. Um, that was me. That was Anne telling me to slow down. I get excited no, no, and I try to get my that. point who, out. Who, what was the thing before that? Um, so if somebody said, was it, uh, was it Kevin Joyce who said something just immediately before, um, and really said, slow down. I can't go backwards and forwards on my stream. I can a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, nope. Can't see it. PFI was a disaster. No, we'll come back to it in a bit. We can have a look yeah. over the break. Rochelle, thank you very much. The companies operating within free ports can benefit from deferring the payments of taxes until their products are moved elsewhere. 
or can avoid them altogether if they bring in goods or store or manufacture on site before exporting them again. Thank you, Rochelle. Fabulous. Um, Laura, are you going to welcome the resurgence of Thatcherite economics in uh, the <laughs> Northeast? I mean, do you want a one word answer, John? Because you can have one. <laughs> <laughs> or a two word answer. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, to be fair, we're still. In, I think personally in the north we're still suff suffering from Thatcherism now um, it hasn't ever gone away um, you know just to go back to the closure of the pits and everything families who who had to deal with that are still struggling now and still trying to get back on their feet um, so it's a perpetual thing and and it's funny listening to um, a few things the others have said um, Samantha mentioned about it being um, they're trying to fix disadvantages um, they said they said in the report that they want to give a voice to the um, disadvantaged in the north who felt um, that they were let down, much the same way they have done sort of with Brexit. Um, and I just think, well, it's just so hypocritical, given that it was you <laughs> who put us in this position in the first place. But again, what terrifies me is that people have seemed to have short memories and have forgotten that and have forgotten the fact that we we were shoved into a financial crash because of you know economic policies that the Tories had put in place and implemented um, um Stuart also said that there was some nasty stuff in there there, there, there are there, there is there's also some really boring stuff that would just happen anyway as a as a, as a matter of fact that they're trying to sort of judge up and go yeah look what we're doing it's like you, you would just that would just happen anyway which is quite annoying it's certainly not radical or thatcher right it's just bog standard um but they have said that they want to um a deregulated um business structure and that we we in the north are missing out on foreign direct investment well actually that's not something that we can particularly fix because we in the northeast don't have as the the big businesses that foreign companies want to invest in or they don't necessarily want to invest they want to buy up some of it they they all are in london so we haven't necessarily missed out on that. We just don't have those businesses. So perhaps the government should invest in businesses up here so we can get bigger so that foreign investment wants to come here. Um, if foreign investment comes here now, all they'll do is buy up our small businesses and take them away and we won't see any benefit from that. But it does feel like they're trying to package it all up and be like, look at all these wonderful things we've got for you. When in actual fact, it's the same as Brexit. Look at all these amazing things we're going to do for you because we care about the North. No, you care about what we've got to offer you. You, you know, you take our water off us for starters. You, you take in all of the NHS. Milk. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's um, we, we basically used and and I think what they've seen, obviously, they've seen the seats that they've managed to win up here and are trying to sort of capitalize on that narrative that we will give you what you've lost, completely disregarding the fact that we lost it because of them. <laughs> so um, it, it does worry us this report, because I think some people will look at it and look at it as a good thing. Um, it's not. We need to read between the lines and and. It is tantamount to Thatcherism, but I mean, that's nothing new. We're in that now anyway. We are very much in that you need to look after yourself. Don't think about anybody else. And um, that is entirely the, the thinking that we need to change in, in my mind anyway. Yeah, somebody in the, 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 the um, stream said um, that um, what we've got now is 100 times worse than Thatcherism. 
that's sort of basically how I see it is that um, we were going into industrial decline. A government came along and said, this is the medicine that would cure us. They gave us a huge dose of that medicine. It all, well, it almost killed us altogether. And their only answer is to keep on giving us that same medicine over and over again. Each time telling us that this will cure you. And oh, golly, we need to be um, worried, worried about it. Jake Ratcliffe, I absolutely agree with you. This Thatcherism never left. That's a fantastic statement. Um, and Anthony Riley agrees with Paul. Everybody, Anthony, they, they, you all agree with Paul. That's sort of, sort of, you just get big headish. Don't tell me. Um, I, I'm going to bring that to an end now. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments, everybody. God bless you. Now, however, Anthony Rye stripping us all as fast as they can before it's gone. Never was a truer word spoken. Uh, okay, um, now we have three more questions at about eight minutes each. So let's be sharpish on this and efficient. Samantha, what's going on in Myanmar and what should we do about it? So uh, for the, let's start from the very beginning. Myanmar is a country in between Thailand and Bangladesh. Okay. And, and this really strikes me because I, I grew up watching Aung San Suu Kyi in her in in house arrest she was a, a pro-democracy leader in a country that was being run by the military and she won the peace Nobel Peace Peace Prize while in house arrest and and we uh, <laughs> I was very taken with this story you know as a woman and as, as a girl at the time and uh, just how how barbaric can these people be that they're not letting the democracy woman out to do democracy? Um, so <clears throat> in 2011, finally, that's so between 1962 and 2011, Myanmar was uh, in control of the military. And in 2011, they had elections and Aung San Suu Kyi was uh, elected to, to, to lead the country. Uh, but the military disagree with the idea that the elections were free and fair, and that has led to her being uh, there, there being a coup in the country where she's been taken out of power. To complicate things, uh, Aung San Suu Kyi's reign also um, was basically a genocide for the Rohingya Muslims. A million of them were. Um, made to flee across the border into Bangladesh. Um, so that was, again, uh, uh, yay, she's won. Oh, no, she's committing genocide. Uh, it's really um, shocking and an eye-opener for us all to think that, you know, there isn't always clear who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. And obviously genocide is something that bad guys do, uh, not good guys. So top and bottom of it is um, the military have not taken over control because they want to save the Rohingya Muslims. The Rohingya Muslims are still under threat, but the hope is with, with new elections, then hopefully the new political authority 
will seek a solution to that problem, but it's very much up in the air. Um, clearly, military coups are not something that any country wants to encourage. So there's been lots of condemnation for the military coup, including from our government. Uh, but the military do say that once they have put in place elections that they will relinquish power. And I think considering the stark nature of the Rohingya, Rohingya genocide, uh, I very much welcome the idea that there will be hopefully a new government in place soon who will hopefully um, solve that problem. Paul, thank you, Sam. Oh, that that was uh, that wasn't me asking to speak there. Actually, that was me. Uh, that was me um, signalling a, a scene transition. But um, anyway, uh, yeah. So um, it, I think this points out how fragile democracy can be. So um, democracy is um, often fragile at its best. But like you know, while Jeremy Corbyn was the leader of the Labour Party, there were senior figures in our military saying that if he took control then there would be a coup and we're in this position where like you know you know i think sometimes we look at other countries and we think oh we, we are somehow you know above that or better than that and sometimes we aren't and we aren't by any stretch of the imagination we're only a couple of steps away from this and whenever we see these kind of awful acts against democracy it should absolutely terrify us um Stuart, I mean, at the moment we've got these riots and do you think there's any chance of Aung San Suu coming back um, or are we going to be moving on, do you think? I mean, how, how's this going to work out, do you think? Uh, absolutely no predictions from me, but I, I hope that there's, you know, there's still a sense of democracy there, that there's somebody who wants to take up the mantle because, you know, democracy doesn't just happen. Obviously, if, if the military is going to be taken a while before they can, you know, get elections, it just shows you that there's a there's a time frame where, where things have to be done. And we need people to, in, in the country to to want to be democratic and step up to the plate. And I, I hope that there, there is someone there who really believes in proper democracy. Um, it's worth going back to what we said, uh, we were saying earlier on the chat that we, we want good people. Um, and, and democracy doesn't always deliver good people, even proper democracy. Um, Jake Ratcliffe, democracy is fragile in most uh, countries. And Kevin Joyce, that's a, I've, I've just missed a dozen good things from you. Kevin, what's all this about Summer of Rockets? Kevin Joyce, Summer of Rockets. Kevin, type a bit and tell us what you mean by that. Um, Laura, I mean, have you lost faith in Aung Suu Kyi? Is this um, a, 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 a broken heart you have? She was your hope. And... I mean, um, she is, some would argue she still is the last hope for democracy from the Myanmar people. Um, by all accounts that I've sort of, I've, done a bit of research on it today and there's plenty of people in Myanmar who really aren't that worried about the Rohingya um, genocide um, because it doesn't directly impact them they've said but um, so Aung San Suu Kyi has sort of said that 
it, she doesn't believe it to be a genocide and she thinks it was a difference of opinion. <laughs> um, which is really devastating given the, the lead up to this, given how um, how outspoken she's been about democracy. She's always said that she's um, she's she's not an activist, she's a politician. She's always said that from day one. And that's fine if you're a politician who wants to fight for democracy. And she has always shown that she wants to do that. Now, I'd argue that she's still probably more democratic than the, the military, but really it's, there's not a lot of difference if you're gonna sort of diminish genocide and say oh, the difference of opinion. So it is really sad, it is really sad, but the, there's, a, there's a lot of people saying that um, should they hold a fair election, she'd probably win again anyway, because the Myanmar people, um, really love her and and i think for me all of this you know the civil disobedience that's been going on none of it's been well the most for the most part it, it's been sort of people lying on train tracks people lying in roads people out bashing pots and pans it hasn't been anything really vicious or violent from mm. the people um but it's scary the the the, what the um, police and the troops think is proportional force when they come in with big machine guns and start shooting. Um, that's scary. Um, but when we get to the point where we've got to go out and be on the streets because of something we believe in, which I think we should be allowed to do, um, I'm surprised, I'm just, I can't believe we don't do it more here in Britain, given what we've had to, what we've been put, been put through over the past sort of 30 years. Um, I think it's 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 worry it, it, it's heartening to see that people are willing to stand up for what they believe in. It's worrying that the military want to sort of um, go in with force. And as for who's going to win the next election, there, I, I don't. At this point, I don't think either the military general um, or Sushi would be the best option, but. We'll have to see what happens. I mean, they were arguing that this election was rigged. I would wonder if the next one's going to be rigged as well. The only way she'll lose. Um, Leanne Powell doesn't like her at all. Thank you for those comments, Leanne. She prosecuted journalists and activists, defended the army's genocide. I've lost all faith uh, in her as a leader. Yeah, that most of the Buddhist population support her. Uh, Without allowing Rohingya to vote, you'll never get a fair election, which is just a statement of fact, isn't it? Um, uh, oh, Samantha Townsend. What's this you're telling us about here, Sam? Is this Day this of Rocket? The summer of Rocket. See, this is why I couldn't find you. I are too fast, Mr. Clare. You are talking about comments on YouTube, and I couldn't find them because they were on... Uh, I was looking on Facebook, but yes, Kevin Joyce um, recommends we watch uh, Summer of Rockets. It is a drama on Netflix about the Cold War and inventors, and that's all I've got so far. But I've put the link in the comments anyway. Thank you very much indeed. It's on Netflix. It's worth yeah. watching, according to Kevin. And the other thing is, hiya, Heather. Um, who's joined us, Heather Swallow, one of our, our loyalist followers and very precious to us. Lovely to see you here tonight. Okay, um, next question. Uh, Laura, does lockdown, we shouldn't take this as the last one because it, in, in a way it's almost amusing, isn't it? Because it's everybody's dream. Does lockdown just crime murder? <laughs> 
Does lockdown justify murder is everybody's dream, John? Did we, we just put that on record as you saying that, did we? Wow. trouble for laughing at Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> so this, this question comes on the back of... Yeah, yeah this question comes on the back of... Anthony Williams has been found not guilty of murdering his wife, Ruth. Um, uh, they were both, I think they were both from Wales. Um, basically, he strangled her to death. And they found him not guilty because his um, his defence was that he just flipped because he was so worried about COVID and money. And he just flipped. And it's not like him at all. He wouldn't hurt a fly normally. He can't believe he did it. He's really sorry. And so he got found guilty of manslaughter with diminished responsibility, which I'm sure people on this panel have opinions about. Um, but for me, it's um, absolutely shocking. You know, he, uh, the idea of diminished responsibility, I tell you what, I could have killed somebody over this lockdown. <laughs> I really could have. I've lost the plot so many times. But it's not an excuse to go from being stressed out and just losing your mind to killing someone. There is a huge leap there, a massive leap. Um, and I, I just, I don't think it's a good enough excuse for me. Have and they, it opens have they up... locked him away in a sanatorium or something? Or have they just let him out onto the street? No, I mean, he'll get um, sentenced because he, he does have a conviction now, but it's not for murder. It wasn't his fault, you see. Because oh, I see. So he'll, be, he'll go to prison, but yeah. they've decided yeah. But it opens so it's opened such a kettle of fish, this, because, you know, over lockdown, domestic violence has, has risen by double. Um, and killings through domestic violence has also risen by double. Um, I think it's a really, really worrying time for women, especially because yes, and we can, if people want to put in the comments, but women kill men too, or women abuse men too. I am not saying they don't. Yes, they do. And it's horrendous and it shouldn't happen. However, if I wanted to kill Paul, it'd be a lot more difficult than if he wanted to kill me. Trust me. <laughs> he's a bigger fellow and he could do it if he wanted to. I know he wouldn't because he loves me and because he's not a murderer. <laughs> but certainly the idea that he might flip out and just get stressed about money and kill me is, is not a good enough excuse. And so we have to we have to then start thinking about is the dealing of coronavirus and this lockdown and obviously the mental health implications of that, it's going to have such a huge impact on the, the misogynistic um sort of views that that are held in this country and does that spill out to our justice system if it was a woman who'd flipped out and killed a man would we have had the same response i hope we never have to find that out i really do because it's it's just awful anybody dying is just awful so i, I think it's it just it's opening a can of worms for me um in, in terms of the the misogyny deep rooted in our society and how this man could have been let off with murder um, I mean, she had a pair of keys in her hand when they found her and they said it looked like she was trying to escape the house. She's obviously chased after her to strangle her. I'm really sorry if this is really upsetting and triggering for people, actually. It is really awful. Um, but, but but they're the facts. So the fact that he didn't get done for murder, for me, speaks volumes about our justice system and where we're heading. And it's really scary. And and also the mental health, as I said, the mental health implications of this lockdown that's having on people. Thank you. 
Um, Alison Houghton, women's aid is getting behind non-lethal strangulation being made an offence as it's only a potential effect if it's lethal. Now, if that is true, I'm horrified by that bit of information. Um, Sam, I'm coming to you next on this one. Um, if a woman had been bullied and brutalised and um, had eventually in a home and had eventually flipped and murdered her husband, as sometimes happens, then maybe the court would have found her um, guilty of manslaughter with diminished responsibility. She'd been pressed, pushed into it beyond what we could expect anybody to um, cope with. Now, we, one of the things we always say is we do not know the full situation. Um, do you think that there are any situations where it could be argued that this man um, sort of has been pressurised by the pressure of his situation and that maybe we don't know better than the courts? Or are you fully behind, Laura, that this is, a, this is the thin end of a wedge, if I can claim that I was under pressure from COVID and murdered my wife. Um, sort of this is a, what, what do you think about this? Yes, yeah, so there are examples of women who have gone through uh, years, decades of abuse from a, a husband and snapped and murdered them and not, not being, uh, being given uh, diminished, diminished responsibility, like you say. Um, but the fact is, this is not a, a, an example of something that's happened in this house. We have all been going through this pandemic. We have all been affected by it in different ways. Um, and I don't, I don't think um, you can just say it was really stressful for me. Oh, poor me, I killed my wife. Um, it's, look, the fact of the matter is rape in this country is basically decriminalized because if you get raped, the amount of people who get actually uh, get actually charged and um, actually go to prison for rape is so statistically insignificant that basically there there is no consequence for that. And there are women who who don't come forward because they know that the investigation is so intrusive. You have to give over your phone. You will have every single part of your life raked over with a fine-tooth comb what and your you body yes and your body after you've had the most traumatic experience of your life so it, it just goes unfortunately no it does just seem that women's lives don't matter um this is a huge there's a huge epidemic of domestic abuse happening alongside the pandemic um so really at this point, the government and the judicial judicial system needs to be making a stand to say, we will protect you. Thank you, Sam. And uh, spot on. God bless you for that. Misogyny, Anne Willis, is um, the bigoted hatred of women, um, uh, a bigoted prejudice against women. Um, and I'm going to leave that. Try. I, I, I'm sorry. I apologise to everybody that I, I, I was making light of the situation, and 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 sort of now we've discussed it. I realise I shouldn't have done it. It was a very very serious thing, um, and uh, uh, sort of. I'm now going to move on to the last question. Paul, 
has trickle down failed to the point where governments are prepared to ditch it? Firstly, thank you to Anne for asking these questions because Anne is asking these questions that are really important and I think sometimes we have a tendency to speak above people's heads. Um, everyone has that tendency to do that, so I'm really glad she asked those questions. So this is about uh, trickle-down economics and trickle-down economics is this theory that they came up with um, in apparently in the Swiss Alps, this small group of people came up with this idea about how we're going to have this like extreme right wing economic ideology, um, which means that what you have is unregulated capitalism. Uh, you know, the market looks after you, the market looks after itself, you know, and, and everything will be fine. And this was really popularized by um, Reagan and Thatcher. Now, for years and years, this was considered to be absolute, like, you know, bizarre economic theory. Everyone thought it was awful. And then Thatcher and Reagan kind of came around to this idea of neo neoliberalism. And the idea is you look after the richest in society and that wealth will trickle down. So as long as you make people really, really rich that will somehow trickle down to everyone else. Now, it's been debunked time and again, and recently this week it's been debunked again as an awful, awful theory that doesn't work. So trickle-down economics doesn't work, and yet our entire economic system is based around um, trickle-down economics. It's about the idea that some people will be taxed um, very little because that increases everyone else's wealth. You know, you look after the rich people, and everyone else will be okay because their wealth will magically trickle down. What actually happens is it circulates within the wealthy, so they buy really expensive uh, expensive commodities from one another. So that is what gen genuinely happens in trickle-down economics, but the idea is that that wouldn't happen. So, um, yeah, I don't think that... I don't think that many people would actually believe it if it's put to them, but I don't think people realise that for the last 30, 40 years, that has been our economic system. Thank you. Um, I think the idea is, is that if you just give people lots of money, they spend it, and that creates jobs for other people. The problem with the rich people nowadays is they don't they shove it into a bank account in them. Um, wherever it is. Uh, Stuart Sutherland, um, I'm going to come to you for the last word of the show, um, sort of um, trickle-down economics, what would you do instead? Uh, care about people, make sure people could afford to live, you know. What else is there? There's an end date on neoliberalism, isn't there? It'll die one day and then the rest of us with it. Do you think it? Do you think that it is that serious, Stuart? That sort of um, that uh, unless we see the end of neoliberalism, then we're going to actually see the, the the death of society. Absolutely, yeah. If if something doesn't happen relatively quickly as well, we are we're going to be in a position where there is zero money down at the bottom, and we will be in resource wars. Yeah, as countries, while very rich people can do whatever they please. Because the other side of things is is that we we, we allow these rich people to, they're, they're wrecking the environment and the climate as we speak. Um, 
Thank you. Uh, I do have three, two minutes left. Um, Sam or Laura, have you got anything you want to add to this final question before we say goodbye to everybody? Uh, yes, there was a very good comment uh, from, where's it gone? Really good comment from Kevin Joyce saying that look, white, what Ben said, wealth doesn't trickle down, it bubbles up. Uh, oh. I love love a Ben quote. Uh, lo yeah, he's a great guy. And I'm really sorry, Paul, but uh, Leanne says Stuart for PM. So oh, missed that. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> fine with that. Like I don't. Ten, Samantha. <laughs> there an awful lot of hopes get dashed. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say goodbye. Um, the, um, the, the I am going to say one thing before we go. Um, I tried a few weeks ago, if you remember, I've always put a poll up and it's been very, very popular. And basically what I've done is I've scouted through the week's news and said, what do you want to talk about? And people have voted on the poll and, 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 and they loved it. But I did think it was tremendously um, arrogant of myself to be telling you that, that, that sort of, so um, we've tried for a few weeks uh, where I've sort of said, what do you want us to talk about? And actually some of the things you've wanted us to talk about have, have been absolutely fantastic and thank you for that brilliant we, we, we love those questions and and, and so they, they were different to the kind of questions i was asking as well which is a, a sort of always a good thing but nobody asked anything this week we had to make up our own questions this week so um i'm going with your permission i'm going to go back to the poll and we can get very excited about the poll and maybe when we're a bit bored with the poll we'll go back in and when you when you absolutely like this with questions you want to ask well then we'll return and, and we'll go back to the suggested question first but the, it'll it'll be back to the poll next week um what i'm going to do now is is we sort of uh we bye 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 to you um we play some music and then we come back for our sort of informal chat where Samantha leads the show from then on. And then we go through everybody's comments and make comments on your comments. And uh, so, so at this point, um, some people leave us at this point. If you want to know people to go, um, thank you for your fantastic comments. Thank you for watching us. Um, and, and if we're not going to see you in five minutes time, see you next week. Uh, say bye bye, everybody. Bye -bye. Can, I, can I also say that um, rather than leave, stay and then share it, and then get more people watching, because that's always good, because uh, we've got such a loyal audience, people stick with us throughout the entire thing, and every time we get more viewers, people stay, so I think that people should stay, you can go if you want, but people should stay, and people should enjoy this, and tell other people to come and watch as well, because uh, people are really, uh, I feel like we're becoming like a little family here, so it's, uh, it's really nice to see those names coming up, and... Uh, again and again and i'm sure that there's other people you know who'd want to watch too yeah bye-bye <laughs> see you talking <laughs> now it's a sort of i always get confused welcome back um welcome back specifically to my granddaughter uh joni may Claire. um you're very very welcome indeed and um, we sort of she's coming here everybody to be indoctrinated by the dream team they are going to <laughs> plant socialist seeds in her brain which will grow up um, can and, I, and sort of and watch out everybody can i do and, a and couple of things now. here john can i do a couple of things before we uh we do the the handover one thing again they, they they seem like advertising plugs but they're not right um this little badge here that you may have noticed me wearing tonight 
Uh, that was made by Annie Wright, who uh, and that was sent to me, and I think it's really, really nice. It's a little like a uh, socialist symbol there on a badge. She's sewed that herself. It's beautiful, and um, oh, Annie Wright is. Um, she's on instagram and i think we'll probably put that in the comments so that's uh that's a really nice thing and also you might have to look at your screens for this one because you might not be able to see this john but we've had this made um for you if anyone can see uh, people at home will be able to see this that's pretty uh, you know this is our new political muted thing uh, rochelle's made this for you today i think it's quite a nice little unveiling so, uh, oh, and... Um, I can't see it. No, we've got a delay, haven't we? Yeah, and I don't know where Stuart has gone, which is slightly an issue. I don't know if Stuart's dropped out there, but, yep, there we go. So I'm going oh, to have to... I can't see it now. Can you see it? Can you see it? <laughs> no, no, so... I how embarrassing. <laughs> Don't know, like, Stuart has dropped out for a minute. So I'm going to, while that is on, um, while that is on, I'm going to try and do something very, very, very clever here. So um, while we're talking about that, you can start your conversation, but I need to do something uh, a little bit, um, a little bit neat here. So well, bear with me. If we need to fill some time, I can tell you about my new chicken. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You you don't need to fill in time. I'm just doing something clever, so uh, sort of clever anyway. It's not that clever. Well, it's so, yeah, a chicken we're, anyway. So. We're back on. Is it a socialist chicken? Can we justify it in political terms? It's definitely a socialist chicken. There because, you go then. Um, I because it came to me through. You know, uh, it was surplus chicken. It was a, an escaped chicken, and um, I had a random. I've obviously got a name for myself now as the chicken lady, so I got a, a random message off somebody on Facebook saying there's a chicken in my backyard, and I hear that you're the person to talk to about that. <laughs> so anyway, she's lovely. She is a young uh, white leghorn, which means when she comes of age, she will lay white eggs. And um, yeah, she's settling in nicely. She's been with me for 11 days now. Um, so I'm very much um, pleased with that. I tried to find her owner, but to no avail. Um, so never mind, she's mine now. <laughs> there's, there's a socialist chicken if ever there was one. Jake says there's no such thing as, as a capitalist chicken, yeah. uh, sort of. Um, you know where capitalism gets chicken, is all we'll say. Um, <laughs> walk, walk around Tesco. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what were you doing and have you done it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's done. It's Put done. a frame on us so that it doesn't look wonky, so that there isn't a, a spare Ma spot. Yeah, it's, 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 it's making up for my previous mistakes, but we want Stuart back on. So when Stuart back on, Stuart. So uh, <laughs> we need from Stuart. Yeah, his internet died, but he said he'd be back soon. His internet's just died. Oh. Oh. Get him back in. I'll invite him back in, and then I'll have to do a quick screen change. But just do, go as normal. So. Just okay. Right, Sam, um, off, off you go. 
Yeah, so really interesting when we were talking about Myanmar and Aung San Suu Kyi and democracy, like there was a really interesting little discussion happened between Howell and Maureen uh, and Anthony about kind of is democracy right for everyone and you know Maureen believes that democracy and what's morally right go hand in hand uh anthony says it's not democracy if you well he he question he asks is it democracy if you deny a minority population a, a, vo- a vote uh, most of us would disagree that it is democracy if you disenfranchise a, a chunk of the population so yeah it's just interesting do we all do we all agree in this room that democracy is really the only way to run a country <laughs> I, um... I might I might argue that we, what we have isn't necessarily the kind of democracy that we need to have at this point. Um, you know, so it worries me a little bit that the democracy that we have isn't as democratic. Like, do workers have power? Do people who work in a place have a power? Would Is getting a vote once every five years enough? You know, is that enough for us? Hmm. One of the, um, actually, I'm going to ask you in a moment to talk about participatory um, democracy, Paul, and participatory budgeting and things like that, and how that might change our, change our uh, county. But I was reading a very interesting thing the other day, and, and it distinguished some between democracy and majoritarianism. And the majoritarianism is a kind of dictatorship, it said. And, and, and that what you do is, you know, sort of the democracy comes in and then you have a democracy and all they, all, and you have a majority and all they do is they make all the decisions for themselves. And it can be absent. I mean, the, the, the key one, of course, was Northern Ireland in the 1930s to the 1960s, where the majority just ruled and used their majority position to absolutely oppress the minority. And um, the... And sort of that's not proper democracy. What we need, what we're needing is, is we need. Uh, the, and the idea was that democracy is what Paul was talking about, which is the, uh, uh, a state in which all voices are heard and, and, and everybody has a say. Uh, Paul, I'm going to you. Um, yeah, I'm just interested in uh, in Penny being the main focus of. Uh... <laughs> of, 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 like right in the middle of Laura's it's, screen there it's like clockwork she comes in every single this, as soon as we do the after show she comes upstairs it's it's more that she's bang in the middle and you're off the edge of the thing you know like oh hey here's our dog you know that yeah. so <laughs> she's the star what's she got to say this is the thing <laughs> <laughs> so if um if if you know I don't believe that we have democratic structures the way that we need to do it. I believe that we've got an establishment that kind of crushes a lot of the democracy. I've learned this over the last few years within the Labour Party. Like The Labour Party have some very interesting systems where democracy can be very, very quickly taken away from people. So let's say we've been recently given a directive from our general secretary to who's saying, um, you know, we can't talk about this and we can't talk about this and we can't talk about this. And and what he said basically came from um, 
a directive that he gave us saying that we're not allowed to talk about um, like anti-Semitism or, or, or anything like that, which came from the fact that the Labour Party itself, the people who work for the Labour Party in the governance and legal unit, um, hadn't really got to grips with the situation properly. So they hadn't done their, like, hadn't functioned properly. And that has now been blamed on the members of the Labour Party. And they have said, no, 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 you can't talk about anything. You're not allowed to talk about anything. And they've suspended absolutely loads of people for allowing democratic debate in the party. Now, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And the idea that you can't talk about things in a democratic party is deeply deeply worrying particularly as that is um that is aimed at a problem that was caused by the party structures so the party structures are telling us not to speak about something that they didn't deal with very well so because they didn't deal with it very well members aren't allowed to do anything and it's um you know, I think this is symptomatic of, of our democratic systems. I don't think our democratic systems are particularly great within the Labour Party or within the UK. I don't think very many people feel they have a say. You know, most people's vote is in the first-past-the-post system seems to be valueless um, to them, and that turns people off democracy, and that really, really suits people who don't really want you to vote. If they don't want you to vote, if they don't want you to mess around in their little, like you know, their little sandpit, which is their playpen, when they are in charge of everything, then, you know, it really suits them to make democracy as boring and limited as possible. And I think that's something we desperately need to change. And I think that's far greater, of far greater importance, in um, than you know, political party politics. I think allowing people to have a say and making sure that people say is important is of far greater importance than voting for this party or this party or this party. If voting for a particular party will allow us all to have a greater say in democracy, and I would hope that would be the Labour Party, then great, that's definitely who everyone should vote for. But we shouldn't be doing it just to retain the status quo, which seems to be the party line at the moment in the Labour Party. Ooh. Sorry, ran over there. No, that's fine. Let it all out. Apparently, Tim says the co-op party democracy is very good. I still haven't got round to joining the co-op party, and I probably should. It's come up a few times. I've I've, I've never been to a co-op party meeting. I've been a member for nearly a year, and uh, I go to everything, as you know. So I'm not sure whether the co-op party, like, you know, it, it, I think it just depends. It just depends, and and then uh, they've they've put on a few events that are kind of decent. Um, but have I had my say within the core party? I like the idea of cooperative movements, mind I really do, and I support him in that. But I want, you know, what is the what is the end goal of the cooperative party? Would be my point there. Anthony says uh, he thinks that everyone that can vote should have a voice and that elections should be sooner than every five years and more transparent. Uh, I mean, that's the scary thing about democracy at the moment. Like, if we look at the big picture, if we look at the general elections, it's been so shady 
hasn't it? All of these different groups set up to campaign that aren't actually the political party, but clearly are campaigning for the political party. You know, I think it's definitely a, a shameful, the most shameful sort of time I felt about our democracy when I woke up on polling day in December and saw that there were posters basically inferring that Jeremy Corbyn was a paedophile on all of the uh, lampposts in the town. You know, that's not how we do democracy in a mature society. And it was just all, you know, it wasn't conservative branded. It, you know, they were put on lampposts, which is actually, it's illegal to campaign on council property which lampposts are so it's just really bad just really bad uh so we need to get rid of that rubbish definitely yeah. just um just before we go any further i just do want to say that the labor party democracy is far greater than let's say the conservative party democracy where candidates are parachuted in it just seems like the labor party seem to think that that might be the best way of defeating tories is to emulate their systems and and i think we've always sort of done that we've tried to emulate the democratic systems that were already in place in like the the 19th century um, and we've tried to emulate party structures that are of the 19th century where we we door knock and where we, we do whatever we're not doing things differently i don't see the point in trying to beat people at their own game I really don't like, you know, they've got it stitched up. They've got the wealthy donors. Do something different. Bring people in. But in order to do that, you've got to um, you've got to stop the people who think it is their right or certainly their ambition to be the next MP or something like that. You've got to get rid of egos in this situation. And you've got to say what is what is best for the collective is best for everyone. It doesn't matter who is the MP. It doesn't matter who is prime minister if the system is right. Because it would matter, because they would have to behave in a way that was respectful to their members or respectful of the community. But it does matter who is the PM because they don't have to be respectful of of the people of the country. They don't have to be respectful of democracy really because it's only once every five years that they really have to deal with that. So we need systemic change. Like we can't just say let's. Let's just win an election one time and then be kicked out after five years. You know, you saw like in the 45 government of the Labour Party, um, they were kicked out after five years or so, weren't they? They won another election afterwards, but they couldn't work because they didn't have a big enough, a big enough majority. Parliamentary democracy, the way it is, is far, far, far from adequate. Can I, can I just be uh, interrupt you very rudely? The first thing is, is that um, me and Mantra's be just saying some fantastic things. Uh, the first one, I absolutely agree, Mia, that it's not democracy when people get shouted down. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, I love this point. I've heard it said that it looked like in the last election, it wasn't so much that people went from Labour to Tory, as that Labour voters just didn't. Um, that's actually not quite true. There, there were people, there were crossovers. I've been to three, Mia, I've been to three um, uh, webinars recently about why Labour lost the um, red wall seats, all of them approaching it from very different ideological standpoints. I'm going to be um, I'm going to be writing about that in this month's CLP newsletter about the um, very. You better hear first. Sort of, Make sure um, you are subscribed to the century. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we publish it for everybody to read. Everybody will know. 
The only other thing got a bit of an echo on you there, John. I, think. I know, I know, I know where it's coming from. Um, sort of, I've just got me. Um, oh no, you're all right now. Uh, so yes, it comes and goes, doesn't it? So no, um, Anne Willis. Um, does that include lampposts with water features? Um, and I have continued <laughs> to chase that lamppost that had. This, oh. <laughs> the thing about it is, is, when you get water leaking or running underground, it can't find a way out. So it very often comes up at a lamppost, and and it blows from the base of the lamppost down the street. So so Anne's reported one to me, and I am chasing it. Physically, as well as <laughs> reporting it, and um, we'll see if we can't get it. Gosh, speaking of reporting things, can I tell you? Can I tell you another story, totally unrelated to all these comments? Um, a few months in September, the local conservative activists um, did this Facebook post where they indicated they had chopped up. A, uh, a fly-tipped sofa and got rid of it and then like last week I got I got a message from somebody who lives in the street saying when are you coming to take this sofa away so for, for months for four five months they, they, they've let, let us believe that they had this fly-tipped sofa taken to the tip by these conservative activists and they hadn't they, they... <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't even taken it away, um, and then and then it's my it's it's Durham County Council's fault because Durham County Council told them they would take it away, but they didn't say that on their original post. It's so sneaky, just looking for likes again. This just this this attitude of looking for likes and looking for uh, social media instead of actually doing your job. It's just so annoying. Anyway. It's Gotcha politics. Gotcha politics. It's crap. Yeah. I've actually got a picture of a leaflet uh, by a young Tory who was standing for council and it said that he'd moved the trolley by the side of the road and taken it back to the supermarket. Conservatives, you know. That 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 was that was his big thing, his change. That's what he'd done for the community. He had moved a trolley. Mad. Saving the world, one trolley at a time. It's so funny that the Conservatives will shout about moving a, con- a, a trolley somewhere, but we won't shout about, like, literally packaging up hundreds of food parcels for people in our community. We'll just go, oh, that's fine, just don't mention it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and a lot of the time, and this, isn't, this, this isn't entirely, like, um, the the way that everything works. However, a lot of the time, like a Tory will turn up at a food bank and there'll be Labour activists behind them having done the work at the food bank and they'll turn up and smile at a food bank and then everyone behind them is absolutely gutted because they have to have a food bank in. You know, one 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 person's uh, publicity stunt is another person's devastated requirement that they have to do in order to help their community. Yeah. Rachel Edge and Mark Lungley, it is Bristol. And what's happened in Bristol is an absolute outrage. Yeah. Um, sort of absolutely absolutely sort of an, an attempt to destroy the bristol labor party by the labor party um absolutely horrific yeah they had a they had a agm which had over 500 members in it for a start wow 
I wish we had 500 members turned up to an AGM, um, which went on for six hours. Was it six hours? Um, because it had been organised by the regional Labour Party who had, and, and all of the officers had been suspended, so they couldn't run it themselves. So it was just a farce. They, they did... Uh, they, we've got this voting technology in the Labour Party called a non-voter. They set it up so you couldn't vote for different people. They put two names on one thing. So, you know, and it was just people weren't getting their emails and it was just a total mess. Um, it's it's really tricky, this. Um, I was saying to some friends, we were talking about it and saying how there have been quite much fewer people in the northeast suspended many fewer officers in the northeast suspended and the comment came back that's because there's not enough staff in the regional office to do our work for us if they did suspend us um so who knows whether that's true or not uh anthony says i would say i'd say one one thing there is we do have to be considerate that these people are workers you know, and a lot of people are just there to do the jobs. They aren't mm. acting on their own, you know, they and some people have problems with regional officers in the Labour Party. Personally, I, I never have. I, I've always got on relatively well. Well, very, very well with the people in regional offices. You can be politically different, but they're acting as civil servants of the party, which is the way it has to be. And... um you know, that's my experience. Other people may have a different experience. But personally, that's my experience of working with the Labour Party staff locally. And when I hear these horror stories about how other people do it, I just think, well, you know, if only they could behave a little bit more like um, like the, pe the people I have dealt with on a one-to-one -one basis. And again, we, we need to be... We need to make sure that we're a member-led structure. At the same time, we need to respect our workers as long as they are behaving as workers and they are not usurping the the the, the membership democracy. That's what I would say. And, you know, it's yeah. it's always difficult when you care about workers in that situation because when workers do something really really bad, like they have done in appear to have done in Bristol, um, you know, it it causes a lot of consternation. Can I just interrupt again and changing the, 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 the subject? Um, somebody going on about um, to the, to the, uh, Anthony Riley. The very fact that food banks exist is an abomination. So when a politician turns up for a photo op, it demonstrates his utter contempt for the working poor. Um, what a, a fabulous statement. And, 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 and pretending. Um, that you care. And, and the big thing that we're finding is that these people are making statements, these Tory politicians, the Tory MPs who took over red wall um, uh, seats, telling you that it was going to be so different than saying the right things about poverty. But then what they're doing is they are voting to cut the universal credit, voting against the chief. And you need to look at what they're doing in Parliament not what they're saying on your television screens and in your newspapers. Yeah, I had that exact conversation several times about Deanna, you know, because she's very good in person, she's very charismatic, um, and people like her. And uh, I actually did have a conversation with somebody in a food bank saying, oh, she came here and she was really nice. And I said, look, I'll tell you whether I think she's nice based on what she votes for, 
because that's her job and she should be voting to the benefit of us here. Uh, whatever comes out of her mouth is just hot air, it's just noise. What she votes for is what counts. And an elephant is just let uh, wind in John Clare's house. <laughs> I, think, um, <laughs> I think Stuart wanted to come in there on that point. Yeah. Go on then, Stuart. I, I get very angry about food banks and, you know, the kind of way that it saps the politics out of, you know, the, the solidarity of it. Because people are just trying to do good and they don't want people to be put off by it being a political thing. But it is such a political thing. And if you want uh, to change what's going on, if you go to a food bank because you need the service or you volunteer at a food bank or you just think they're, a, they're an abomination, you need to join a union. If you want to change that situation without it getting too political, join Unite Community, join Unite, join whatever union you can, because they're all there fighting, you know, anti-austerity. Politics are a big thing in, in, in the unions. And uh, if you join the People's Assembly against austerity, you know, all the work and effort that goes into make sure that we, we have a proper social security system that, you know, doesn't need food banks to exist. Imagine that. I, I was a kid. I wasn't a particularly wealthy kid. Never heard of a food bank. Never needed one. The fact that they exist today, you know, is so sickening. 100% Stuart. 100%. Um, Maureen says she can't get her head around how we can be governed by a government 300 miles away. Have you seen all the nice pictures of Boris Johnson popping up on your news feeds in the last few days? <laughs> It's today, yeah. isn't it? Is it today that um today. they've they've put that out? Stuart knows about it, I think. Yeah. Stuart, oh, what yeah. do you think? He's been, been to visit, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Popped up no masks. Have you been today? Yes, today, I think. All right. I think it maybe he went because he went up to Northumberland about this giga plant thing didn't he no no he didn't he went up to billingham for the vaccine thing and then he went to northumberland for the giga plant thing so i just think while he while he's up here he decided he would go and visit every constituency mp's office in the northeast which is really not the most sensible thing to do during a pandemic so now there's all these pictures of Boris Johnson stood in enclosed spaces with no face mask on with loads of different MPs. Um, I mean, it just... They took the masks off, apparently. They took the masks off for the photos because COVID's scared of a flash or whatever. You know, that's how the science works, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, more fool me staying at home and talking to you guys on Zoom. Let's, yeah, that's what you see people on uh, people on, on, on Facebook say, well, he's working. Well, I managed to work and not come into contact with anybody. So it's entirely possible to do so. He didn't have to go and visit all those offices. Well, isn't isn't the idea of a lockdown to have, um, if you can work from home, you should? Did yeah. he need to do that? Was that necessary? Was he like there block unblocking the drains or something? Is he a canny plumber? You know, do we do we know that 
you know, is is that why he needed to physically be there? Because that is the spirit of this lockdown. The spirit of it is that we need, if we need to be at work, we must be. And that's why we must respect these workers who need to be at work. But if you just want to get out and have a few beers with your colleagues or something, that's not, and I'm not saying that's what he did, but he didn't look like particularly fresh. I've just had a really, really interesting text from um, James, who's um, one quarter of the social think tank team. He said that Boris has been doing this strategically. Um, if you've noticed, he's had five meetings with Murdoch recently, and now he's doing the rounds around his MPs. He thinks he's planning for an election. Well, they are quite far ahead on the polls, aren't they? So these don't need an election. They no, they don't need one. <laughs> Unless he's worried that he's going to get booted out of office, it could well, be it could be an internal power thing, couldn't it? Yeah, the the new Tories of the northeast are very um, close to Boris, aren't they? Because they the blue collar Tories. Yeah, yeah, they, want... <laughs> <laughs> they are very loyal, uh, very loyal. So yes, yes that, uh, now the, my... that would the, the... be what. This uh, this character of mine, the blue collar Tory, seems to be appearing a little bit. Uh, it, it appeared on um, on, <laughs> on Socialist Night Live the other day, so it appeared the then. But it it seems because um some of the Tory MPs, of course, uh, used to be things like accountants and uh, what have you. So they're they're blue collar Tories, you see. Sorry, boy. <laughs> uh, Jake says he's had an email from Mr. Howell today and turns out Jake is wrong about everything. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. At least he corrected you, Jake. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think yeah. Jake's often right, to be honest, to be fair. Yeah. Like... <laughs> the best one was when I sent a, a letter to the MPs off it. It was during one of the lockdowns it was the thing about informal childcare not being included in the uh, exemptions for uh, seeing other people mm. so I sent I sent an, a letter straight away to Deanna's office saying you know this is wrong and this is why and especially in the northeast you know you say you want to level up but most people are only able to work because of uh, family childcare arrangements um, and I got a really long letter about how uh, this is so much more sensible because older people are more at risk of COVID and X, Y, Z. And this is why we are not, but this is why we are drawing the line here. And literally the next day they, they did a U-turn on it. <laughs> oh, and I'm finding this a lot with the, the new Tories. I support the prime minister. I support the prime minister. And the prime minister does a U-turn. They're like, I still support the Prime Minister. <laughs> it's government by WhatsApp, isn't it? You yeah. know, they're, they're in a big WhatsApp group and the way to get told, oh, this is what I have to say, and then it changes. Like, it, 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 you know, breakneck speed. Wasn't that um, what they did recently with uh, when, didn't Howell make a big statement about how he was dead against something, and then went and voted. He was dead against the the idea that the they're not going to get the they're going to have the twenty pound uplift taken away from. Them, then went and voted to have it taken away from people. You know, it's just they, they just say things, and then they hope people don't look at the voting record. Because you know what, too, people are too busy, 
And yeah. there's a lot of cheerleaders. There's a lot of people who've been desperate for this for years, like these secret Tories who've been independents for years and years. And oh, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm you know, I'm really a working class Labour one, but like I'm so disillusioned with Labour. But really, they've always been Tories. And they are so all over these new Tory MPs that you know that's what they've been after for years. They've been after a Tory government and they've been after Tories locally. And when they fail, they just like they just cover it up for them and they say, isn't it brilliant what they've done? Isn't it brilliant they're saying, oh, they're dead against this? But the voting record says the opposite thing. Um, yeah. Uh I has to, what's what's that? It has to it has to hunt. I it must be referring to like it, it has to be hunt, as in Jeremy Hunt. Oh, so, right, yeah, oh yes. Hunt. Yes, yes, Tim's trying to make a point that sort of loyalty is a bit fleeting because Diana Diana supported Jeremy Hunt before Boris became uh, the Conservative leader. Um, yeah. Hang on, I'm going sort of. Joni May, I've already said hello to you once, uh, obviously to the, 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 the great sort of void. Anyway, apparently you're back now. Hello, and I'm giving you a shout out on Socialist Think Tank. All right. So to, shall we shall we put the picture of you up again, John? Just so that every, just so that you can see it. Shall we put that up again? Yeah, I'll put it up again. It will hopefully be available on a badge soon as well. I'm getting one. <laughs> oh, the picture of me. Yeah, yeah. Don't I? <laughs> she knows what I look like. She doesn't. She doesn't need. She doesn't no, but it's a special picture, picture though. <laughs> she doesn't look. It's like it's it's in the style of these. It's it's, it's in that 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 vein. Very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> so I can't see it, Joni. So I don't know what I look like apart from being confident I look incredibly healthy and uh, and, 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 and 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 handsome, and and and, and sort of um, sort of uh, something that everybody will love. There you go. Is it still <laughs> no, it's gone. Yeah. Thank God. Take She's away. laughing though. She's really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, more merchandise. I ran ten kilometers today. Well done. That's incredible. I need a that is brilliant. Well done. running vest or something. <laughs> uh, oh, Chris, oh, someone's uh, asked me. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, yeah. Chris on YouTube says, Paul, just to clarify, in your opinion, are you saying all independents are conservatives in disguise? Not necessarily. So what I'm saying is locally we've had a lot of um we've had a lot of independent MPs who've always claimed to be independent and anti-labor, and they've often claimed that they were actually like you know real labor if you if you dig down deep into the soul they're real labor but what real what labor really was supposed to be before tony blair and and what have you but a lot of those people and not all are saying now that they are um they are definitely pro boris johnson they are pro this tory government and i think a lot of them just like we're in a we're in an area where Labour have traditionally won, and some people join the Labour Party just to win. They don't have Labour values whatsoever. I know this. Everyone on this call knows this. They join there because they think, well, you know, if I've got a Labour badge on, that means I'm likely to be elected. And they don't have a clue about the party. They don't have a clue about politics, and a lot of them are apolitical. They don't even have any political opinions whatsoever. 
But the Tories who don't want to join the Labour Party, who just want to, yeah, you know, and, and maybe some people who do believe in conservatism, um, join the Labour Party, maybe. Um, but most of them don't. Most of them say, actually, you know, I'm deep down in my soul, I'm working class, I'm this, I'm that. But I'm going to stand as an independent because the Labour Party have let us all down. And they'll say this for years and years and years. And then when it comes to it, when a Tory's in charge, they'll be the biggest cheerleader. And that's what we've seen locally. So nationally, it's completely different. It could be completely different. Uh, some independents will be definite independents. Some independents are these kind of false independents. There are a number of... I'm sorry about the, the feedback on here. I can't understand about something. Um, there's there's many other people who are independents. Um, a lot of the people who joined the Labour Party hoping for advancement, they're, they're keen members for a few years. And then when we say, no, you can't be mayor, we're going to make this person mayor. Uh, so they're, oh, they, they, they suddenly find out that the, 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 the Labour Party is corrupt and, and full of bullies and, and dreadful people. And they leave on a point of principle and they become independents um, because we didn't give them what they wanted. But there is another kind of um, uh, independence as well who joined the Labour Party and they were just not prepared to follow the Labour whip. They, they weren't prepared to do and, and live within the party structures. And being a member of the Labour Party, there are times when to stay in the Labour Party, you've just got to button it and, 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 and put up your hand and, and, and go with the group. And, and they won't do that. So they leave and they are often the best politicians in, in town. Because when it comes to it, they're Labour in principle, they, they're, they're sort of, they vote Labour in elections um, and they support the Labour Party, but they demand an independent voice and, 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 and sort of, a, and, and they have their say. And sometimes it's very critical of the Labour administration. Those people are fantastic opposition. Um, I, have a, I have a very poor opposition, uh, a very poor opinion of many opposition councillors, some of them who sit there for 10 years and don't say a thing and then tell you that they want to be the mayor. Sort of, um, uh, sort of the, some of them are very poor quality, but uh, sort of, um, there are some independent politicians who are absolutely spot on and, mm. and they are part of the backbone of a good tradition of parochial politics that we must not lose and, um, and, and require our respect. Chris has asked me again as well. Yeah, I'll be really quick on that one. I might have misspoken and said MPs when I didn't mean to. I meant to to say um, councillors. If I've said MPs, I could think of a few Tory MPs like that over the last few years who were in the Labour Party. I'll mention Ian Austin, who actively campaigned against the Labour Party. He had a Twitter spat with me one day, the strange man that he is. And I was like, it was just a, it was a kind of, he was mentioned in passing between me and I was talking to a friend on Twitter who, you know, um, it turns out to have been maybe not a great friend, but that's beside the point. Um, he he was um, searching for his name on apparently he does this. He searches for his own name on Twitter and then him and his friends just ganged up on me because I'd said that when he was screaming at Corbyn behind him, shouting you're a disgrace while he was addressing Parliament um 
it was about uh, the the Iraq war, whether the Iraq was an illegal war, and he was stood up behind Corbyn screaming at him, "You're a disgrace! You're a disgrace!" And I said, "Look, you know, like Corbyn probably should have disciplined him for that." I, I thought Jeremy Corbyn should have taken a firm line and said, "You can't talk in Parliament like that towards your lady. You can't stand up and scream, you're a disgrace." And uh, Ian Austin and his friends decided to try and bully me on Twitter, which was um, bizarre, um, considering like about six people had seen the comment in the world until he, until he brought it up. But he actively campaigned against Labour, um, which, you know, it doesn't, you know, he has his reasons. I believe his reasons are because he supports the Conservative Party in principle, um, and. You know, there, there are other people who are in that boat as well. He'd probably disagree. He might start trolling me again, you know. Maybe he's got voice recognition for his name and, you know, have a look there. And he's a, he's a lord now, isn't he? So he was given his uh, peerhood by Boris Johnson because he um, actively campaigned against the Labour Party during the during the election. Which you'd, Who would do that? Which Labour member would do that? I, I can't yeah. bring myself to think it. In order to get the Conservatives in... Maybe like a more socialist thing, maybe I could understand that, but there's far too many people far too comfortable with the establishment with being conservatives within the Labour Party. So. Jake is absolutely aghast at the idea that anybody could bully Paul. This obviously proves that Ian <laughs> is a terrible human being. Um, they yeah, try, I mean, they try. They're very, they're very unsuccessful with the bullying, but that's taken years of practice. Yeah, definitely. Independents are a mixed bag. Um, the, the thing people need to realise is that if you've got an independent candidate, you've got to put the work into researching them and talking to them to really drill down what they actually believe and then appreciate the fact that once they are elected there is nobody to hold them to account there is no uh, disciplinary process that will be put into place uh, the, the council will not remove a councillor who's been elected unless they do some really bad illegal stuff um, so and they're found guilty so uh, that's something to think about. Uh, we've got a funny situation in Shildon where we've got this new pa new party spring up called Shildon and Dean Valley Independent Party, um, which is populated entirely by Labour Party members who were so dysfunctional that they couldn't work within the Labour Party. So they've just decided to set up their own party so, uh, full of people who are terrible to work with. <laughs> so I'm just... <laughs> Oh awesome. <laughs> that, fun meeting <laughs> if i'm ever having a bad meeting i think about how terrible it would be to be at that meeting the screen's gone black can I just, it's, it's uh, back it's back i fixed it okay <laughs> can I just at that point as well and um just uh warn people against have you noticed um how many people so the, here's the idea that we are against centralism um, we're for devolution. And then in, in the Northeast, we've, uh, and, and particularly during lockdown, we've become very polarized around our own society, our own community. And so have you noticed how many political groups are now naming themselves after their local area mm -hmm. and it wins them brownie points? Mm -hmm. And so they're calling them, we are the children. 
independence. Mm. We are the Northeast Party, and 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 sort of, and it's simply a trick to fool people that somehow that they give more of a damn about the Northeast than the Labour Party, um, sort of because we're the Northeast Party, and uh, sort of just watch out for that. Uh, it's just uh, uh, the playing games with your mind. They are, yeah. Uh, one of the things they said in that they've set up, a, the, they've done the bit of campaigning and they said um, there are, what, 25 independent councillors in, in County Hall? Have I frozen? Trying to say that therefore the independent bloc is like a potential opposition to the Labour group, but that's not how independent block that <laughs> try and get all of the independents to work to vote the same way and I think you will find that you will struggle <laughs> oh dear anyway hmm. anybody else seen any other comments they want to bring up it's probably getting time for us to wind off anyway have we not had a lot of Thatcher comments yet uh... I thought there would be at least some like proper here Hate ones. Yeah, like that shouldn't go fuck herself. Don't mince your words there, Stuart. No. I love it. Yeah. Panel in 1984 <laughs> there. First, first f bomb in uh in the history of uh, socialist <laughs> think tank there, Stuart. But you know, like if you're gonna do it, then it has to be on that on that budget. one. I think. It was for Thatcher. If you're going to do it, do it for Thatcher. <laughs> you see, did you, did you hear Tosh McDonald say, um, I, hate, I hate Thatcher so much, I set my alarm clock an hour earlier in the morning so I can hate her a little bit more. <laughs> 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 uh, that was funny. <laughs> On, uh, it's a sin. The pissing in the coffee. Mm. Yeah, yeah, oh. that, was, that, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was really good. Um, oh, oh, Chris likes our comments, which is which is good. Um, right, I think what we could do is we've got a couple of minutes left. Would anyone like to see our little "It's About Hope" video, and then yeah. people could make comments on it live, which would be really nice and really appreciated, and see how many names you can recognise in there. We'll just have to you know make what? sure this actually works. But... Do you know what just dawned on me earlier on though? Stuart's not in it. Neither's John. Neither's Barbara. Mm, I didn't ask John though because I didn't know if he'd want to be in a pure socialist thing because he's a democratic socialist like the Labour Party. <laughs> but I asked Stuart, "Did you send me a video, Stuart?" Oh. oh okay, so it's not my fault then. Good. Right. Okay, I thought I'd missed you out. I can't imagine me missing that. We also we also got a little apology from Ray Goodspeed today because I I was rubbish at organising him because I didn't give him a deadline. So. Oh, oh. Yeah, but we've got some amazing people in there. So um, leave the organising to me. Shall one. we go and then we'll come back?